Good morning. Uh, we want to give a special welcome to Pastor Ed and Janet who are with us. And uh, make sure you uh, greet them afterward, okay? Um, <clears throat> we hope that, that this kind of visit will be regular. <laughs> Let me uh, just make a few comments about my trip to the Congo. Um, you know, somebody was telling me that uh, they can't think of a worse place to go. That uh, they think, when they think of the Congo, they think of, of diseases and they think of insects. And <laughs> I said, but. For me, I grew up there. It's home. You know, it's not that scary. Uh, so uh, it's, it's a real privilege for me. And to be able to represent you there, you know, at the, our different seminars, we make a point of saying that, you know, our church back home has helped us with making this possible. And uh, they always give their greetings. So... Uh, <clears throat> We appreciate your participation. Uh, this will be the 10th year in a row that I've gone back for two months. And it's the first time that I'm going with somebody from here. You know, the first week we have sort of a vision trip at, at a new university in the northeastern part of Congo. And uh, one of the members was a missionary kid in the Congo when I was there. And he's now the missionary pastor at the Hawthorne Gospel Church. And he's going to be leaving from New York uh, with me. And then we're meeting several others from Philadelphia in Istanbul. And then we're adding a sixth person uh, in, uh, in Uganda when we fly over to Congo. So uh, it's really a special time. And uh, <clears throat> my time there you know, is sort of divided into three segments. The first segment is what we call a vision trip for people to come and see this university and interact with the, the professors and the students and the church leaders and say, you know, how could I help in seeing this university move ahead? And then uh, there's five weeks of seminars you know, we'll be at eight different locations, locations for uh, three days at a time. And uh, our purpose there is to see, you know, the church renewed. Uh, and we're, you know, there are some things that, that take quite a while to build on. And uh, we're seeing that. And we're, we're uh, you know, we're in the 10th year and I work with three other pastors. And uh, we're seeing progress. And uh, when I'm in Congo this time, I will turn 80. Imagine that. And uh, I always think 80 is so old. <laughs> but, you know, I feel like I'm 50. And <laughs> I'm hoping, you know, I sort of have in my mind, you know, where I would like things to be you know, before I, you know, stop going. And 
I would like to keep going to Congo for another five years, so pray for that, that that might actually happen. <clears throat> okay, today uh, we're continuing with our study of Galatians, chapter 4, verses 8 to 11. And um, to appreciate this passage, we have to sort of recap or review what we saw last week with Pastor Lee, because that sort of gives the background for understanding the passage that we're looking at today. Uh, and I've entitled what I have to say, Knowing and Being Known by God, The Great Antidote to Idolatry. <clears throat> You'll recall, if you were here, and if you weren't, uh, I'll give you a little review, uh, that last week, Paul was talking about how even the Jews in the Old Testament were, you know, they were heirs, but they were like children, and they were still under the control, you know, of, of a guardian, and the law was, was a guardian bringing them to Christ. And uh, so as long as they were minors, it was as if they were no better than a slave. They didn't have rights. But when Christ came in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son to redeem those who are under the law and to make them his adopted children. And so uh, Pastor Lee talked about being adopted by the father into the family of God. And uh, let me just review there a minute. Some of you, uh, maybe all of you, have seen Ben-Hur. How many of you have seen Ben-Hur? Okay, quite a few. Um, and there's, there's this wonderful scene in Ben-Hur where you know, Ben-Hur has, you know, he was a galley slave and uh, he had rescued um, Quintus Arius, who was sort of the commander of this fleet that uh, came against the Macedonians and his ship was wrecked, and he thought he had lost the battle. Uh, and Judah, Judah Ben-Hur, rescues him, and they float around on the, on the ocean, or the, you know, the Mediterranean for a couple days. And, and they finally discover that they had won the battle. And uh, the general has... Judah Ben-Hur with him as they parade in Rome, this victory parade. And he trains him to be a charioteer, and he's won five races, and then he holds this huge adoption party, and he announces that he is going to make Judah Ben-Hur his adopted son. His son has died, and he is going to Ben-Hur is going to you know, be his adopted son. And he gives him this ring from, from, from the past and, and uh, all the rights of being a son and being an heir to him. And you know, the concept of adoption in the Roman world was quite different from adoption in our world. You know, it was to actually, the, the, the person was chosen to be the adopted son and you know, he, he had all the rights of a son. And what Paul is saying is, 
because of Jesus and his death on the cross in the fullness of time, we have been you know, adopted into the family of God. And J.I. Packer points out that if you wanted to summarize the gospel in one word, you would say father. You know, there's, there's, there's something about calling God father in the sense of, of Roman adoption that is just so wonderful. And now Paul goes on and he says, listen to this. And he's, he's going to warn the Galatians about going back to slavery. He's talked about a kind of slavery even under the law in the Old Testament while they were minors. And now he says, formerly, and, and there he was talking to a Jewish audience more. You know, and he talks about we uh, who were under the law. But most of the people at Galatia were Gentiles. And so he says, formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those uh, that by nature are not gods. They were enslaved to idols, to idol worship. In other words, to be accepted with God, you had to appease the idols. Um, but now that you have come to know God and rather be known by God, you've come to be adopted by God, you've come to be justified by faith, uh, you've come to receive the promise, you know, all these terms that are used throughout uh, the book of Galatians for basically the same thing. Now that you have come to, uh, to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world, whose slavery you want uh, to be whose slavery you want to be once more, whose slaves you want to be once more. You observe days and months and seasons and years. I'm afraid uh, I may have labored over you in vain. So you see what's happened. Uh, they, these Gentiles, they had been enslaved to idols, to please these idols. And then they had come to know God through Jesus Christ. And uh, Jesus, in his prayer in John 17, says, and this is life eternal, to know God uh, and to know Christ whom he sent. So, so the essence of living, the essence of life, is relationship with God. And uh, <clears throat> there's, there's a... Um, you know, notice, notice the train of thought here that Paul is following. He's saying... Um, what you were, you didn't know God. You were enslaved to idols. And then you accepted the gospel, and you've come to know God and be known by God, and now you are turning back to slavery. But it's not back to slavery of idols, it's back to slavery of legalism. You see, there's two kinds of slavery here. There's the slavery of idols and there's the slavery of legalism. Um, <clears throat> and he talks about uh, you are concerned about observing days, you know, like Sabbath days or uh, weeks. Um, 
or months, you know, special Jewish uh, activities. In other words, the Judaizers had convinced them that, yes, it's good to receive Christ, but you need to add the Jewish laws and regulations. So by adding these J Jewish laws and regulations, they were saying Christ is not enough for acceptance with God. We need more. And that's the essence of idolatry. The essence of idolatry is saying, you know, we need more. We need something other than Christ for being fully accepted and fully loved by God. <clears throat> now, let me just take a little time to define some terms here. Uh, the first is an expression. It says, the elementary principles of the world. You remember in, in last week's passage, he talks, about, he talks about the Jews who were under the law and serving enslaved to the elementary principles of the universe. And now, again, uh, he's talking about them. Uh, you've come to know God. How can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the universe whose slaves you, uh, you want to be once more? Okay, what are these elementary principles of the universe? Now, that is a hundred, that is a $64,000 question. Nobody really knows. You know, if you read the commentaries, they all have different views. But there's certain things that come out here. You know, Paul, it's elementary, you know, is, is, you know, sort of the, you know, you have elementary school before advanced, you know, middle school, high school, etc. It's the, sort of the ABCs. And it seems like Paul is talking about the, uh, the basic principles that the world works on. And uh, ultimately, it's, their, it's the world's re approach to religion, to being accepted by God. And uh, <clears throat> it, it appears that, you know, in the passage, you know, there are certain things that seem to be clear. One is that legalism and following the Old Testament you know, in a legalistic way, was a kind of elementary principle. And it seems that idolatry was a kind of elementary principle. And uh, <clears throat> Tim Keller suggests that ultimately um, it's man-made religion that is the elementary principles of the world. And man-made religion says this is what you must do to be acceptable with God. You know, by, you know, every religion has their approach. Every religion says, if you do this, you know, you'll make it. You'll go to heaven or nirvana or whatever. And, uh, but biblical revelation says, it's done. You know, this is do and this is done. The gospel is, it's been done. Jesus has done everything that's necessary, and all we need to do is accept that for being accepted with God. And the minute we put a plus, Jesus plus, that plus is idolatry. That plus says, there's something else that I need. 
that's essential for being accepted with God. <clears throat> the second term is he talks about being enslaved in slavery. In the context, it seems to be um, the, in, the, in the earlier passage that it was the heirs, you know, the Jewish people who were the people of God, uh, who were still minors. And in that sense, they were still like slaves. Uh, and in this second, in this passage for today, it seems like, you know, the, 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 the idolatry they came from was a slavery, and they had come to know God, they had been liberated, but now they were going back to slavery. And it was a different kind of slavery. It was a slavery of, uh, of keeping the law. You know, that not only is Jesus enough, but I need to keep the law in order to be acceptable with God. Now, the third expression is to know and be known. Uh, Paul says, but now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, or as it could be translated, uh, or more importantly, to be known by God. So just think of this. You know, there's nothing quite as wonderful as knowing God. And in the Jewish context, knowing was relationship. Knowing is not just intellectual, but it has to do with with a personal relationship. So uh, they had come to know God, and there's one thing that's better than knowing God. You know what it is? It's being known by God. When God knows you, you remember Jesus said that there'll be people you know, in the last day that will say, you know, we prophesied in your name, we did miracles in your name. And Jesus will say, I never knew you. You know, in this sense of knowing salvation, uh, you know, there's nothing quite like being known by God. You know, as we know God, there's sort of an initial coming to know him through Christ and accepting Christ. And then there's a constant growing in our knowledge of him. And I don't know about your experience, but often... Uh, you know, there's the ups and downs of life, and there's the moods, and you say, you know, do I really know God? And, uh, you know, I feel like I know him really well sometimes, and other times I feel like, you know, he's really distant. Uh, but to be known by God is something objective. That never changes. If God knows me because I've said yes to Jesus, then, uh, you know, I should have nothing to worry about. But not only like the Galatians, but we too often fall back. You know, it's, it's so easy to create our own gods. Um, let me just recommend two books to you. One is Timothy Keller, you know, Galatians for You. You know, he gives some real good insights into this passage. And, you know, we've been working through the book of Galatians, here would be a wonderful way to finish the, the book of Galatians, is to read this, and you'll discover that uh, it just adds so much riches to it. And then he has developed this whole concept of counterfeit gods. 
you know, by Tim Keller again. And uh, you read that and you say, whoa, I sure know how to make up a lot of counterfeit gods in my life. Uh, every time I make something the focus of my life rather than Christ, I have a counterfeit God. Every time I feel worthless and no good and, uh, you know, I have poor self-image and so on, it's because I'm saying, you know, I have to do something to earn value. Whereas the gospel says you have value because you're in Christ. And when God sees you, he sees his son. You know, it's like at the baptism of Jesus. Uh, when he came up out of the water, the father said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Every Christian can say, you know, because I'm in Christ, God says to me, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And that is incredible. Um, <clears throat> so let me just uh, read a few quotes from uh, Tim Keller. And these are a little, little long, but I think that you'll find it, it worth it. He says, first of all, about this paragraph. He says, there is in this contrast between gospel faith and worldly religion, uh, there, is, there is a contrast between gospel faith and worldly religion, and is one of the most important and remarkable insights of the whole book. And then he goes on to say, the Galatian Christians had been idol worshipers, along with the immoral lifestyle that went along with pagan religion. Paul here is warning against adopting Old Testament legalism in order to be justified and pleasing to God. Then he says, therefore, Paul is saying that earning one's own salvation through scrupulous biblical morality and religion is just as much enslavement to idols as outright paganism and all this immoral and all its moral practices. In the end, the religious person is as lost and enslaved as the irreligious person. Why? Both are trying to be their own savior and Lord, uh, but in different ways. And uh, he makes reference to the parable of the two sons. You remember, one son, he, he says, both sons were not interested in relationship with the father, but they were interested in the, rela in, in the, in the possessions of the father. And the younger son came and said, yeah, how about giving me my inheritance now so that I can enjoy it now before you die? And he took it and he went off and he lived a riotous life. And he, he just wasted the money. Uh, and the other son, he stayed at home and he served his father diligently. And when he discovered that his father had welcomed his brother back, he was angry and he wouldn't even go in. He says, I've been with you all this time. I've been serving you. And you haven't even given me a goat to eat with my, to, to party with my friends. Uh, <clears throat> and uh, you know, what was his problem, the older son? The older son was slaving away to earn you know, what he thought was his. And 
you know, it wasn't based on relationship. It wasn't based on grace. One theologian says, you see, there's two ways of being lost. One way of being lost is to sin like the devil. Another way of being lost is to be very religious, very uh, careful about keeping all of God's laws. Because in doing that, you think you're earning acceptance with God. And it's just another way of keeping God at a distance. Um, <clears throat> so... Um, Keller goes on, he says, so how can a turning to work salvation be considered an enslavement to false gods? There are an infinite number of different ways that we can choose to earn our salvation through works, even if we don't think of it as earning our salvation at all. But whatever we choose to use, whether it is achievement or morality or religion, or serving our family, we turn that thing into a savior and thus into a god. Works righteousness <clears throat> always creates idols. It is simply that the false saviors it produces, church attendance, ministry to others, Bible reading, are things we would not normally think of as idols. We must feel the force of Paul's emphasis on enslavement. If, any, if anything but Jesus is a requirement for being happy or worthy, uh, that thing will become our slave master. Without the gospel, we must be under the slavery of an idol. In other words, <clears throat> Everybody's a slave of something. And you can choose who you're going to be a slave to. Uh, you know, we're so created that we need to have something that's beyond us, something that's greater than us. And uh, we can choose family. We could choose drugs. You know, we can become enslaved to all kinds of things. But uh, ultimately, the only slavery that is freedom is slavery to Christ. If we submit to him, he's the creator, he's the one that made us, and he made us so that when we're submissive to him, you know, we are no longer slaves. And uh, as Christians, we need to constantly, you know, not only is it you know, the non-Christian that needs to worry about uh, idols and putting them away and, and coming to know God and be known by God. But we as Christians fall into this trap so easily. You know, we accept Christ and then we hear you know, all this preaching about you know, how you should live the Christian life and, and, and so on. And you start saying, okay, God has justified me. You know, in Christ, I accepted Christ and God declared me just. But now... For me to continue to be accepted and loved by God, I need to do certain things. You know, that's works, works righteousness. And God accepts us, not only when we accept him, but all the way to the end. Huh? He accepts us fully, and he loves us, he accepts us unconditionally on the basis of Jesus. 
not on the basis of what we do. Now, we do want to please him. You know, our, our purpose in life is to become more like Jesus. And we, God's desire for us is that the way he sees us in our position might become the way we live in our lives. And so he's working to make us more like Jesus and will ultimately uh, accept that, uh, become that when we, when we uh, die and go to be with him. So here's the last uh, quote. We must cry out to our Father spontaneously throughout the day. We must, in other words, analyze and address the issues of everyday life by remembering his fatherly love. We need to learn to ask moment by moment, am I acting like a slave who is afraid of God or like a child who is assured of my father's love? Shall we close in prayer? <clears throat> I'm not sure where you're at, but depending on where you're at, you know, what is God saying to you? Maybe you need to come to know God and be known by him. And you do that by saying yes to Jesus. Maybe you're a believer and uh, you're like me, constantly finding other idols that have become central or constantly thinking that I'm not fully acceptable because I haven't attained or uh, accomplished enough. Uh, and we need to realize afresh that our acceptance is based on grace. It's based on the death of Christ and the cross. We're fully accepted and fully loved uh, because of him. Shall we pray? Our Father, we thank you for this good message uh, from you. We think of the Galatians and their tendency to go back to slavery. And we admit that that's our tendency as well. And we ask that you would deliver us from that, that you would remind us day by day that your love is unconditional and that you accept us because of Jesus, not because of what we've done. In Jesus' name, amen.